Yeah. We we're really excited to have Sunya with us. This is the Sunya was at Cascade when we did a Good Friday message. Uh, it was like a year or two ago. It wasn't this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, two, uh, over a year ago. But mm-hmm. we have gotten to know Sunya. She is an amazing human being, pastor, artist, um, musician, all the things. And she is going to be leading us this morning, talking mm-hmm. to her message series on Acts. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Acts 10, which um, I'm so glad that um, so yeah, Kurt sent a list of, right. You sent a list of, of chapters and things to look at. And I'm like this assimilation and inclusion, that seems like a conversation I want to have. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for the invitation. And I, I just know and love so many people connected to cascade. And so I, I'm just super happy to be here and I love leftover heathens. So that's also one of my favorites. So I'm just <laughs> so that I'm here. Yeah. Those are our people. All right. Okay, well, I'm just going to jump in. Cool? Good? Yeah. Um, I have been doing um, just a lot of thinking and processing around assimilation, actually. Um, and just very generally generally speaking, right? Assimilation is just the absorption of people and ideas and culture. And as an adoptee, as an immigrant, as a naturalized citizen, I've been considering all the ways that um, you know, my 80s, Dukes of Hazard, permed hair, Reagan-filled, white evangelical suburban childhood has informed and shaped who I am. And um, I've been, I just been thinking a lot about, about how I became who I've become, um, which areas of my life have been fully assimilated into um, what I would say was like white, middle of the country, suburban culture. And um, at the same time, while that conversation in my head is happening, I have a lot of conversations in my head as that's going on, I have this other conversation um, that's going on where I like to think, I like to think that I love and embrace change. I like to think that about myself. I just got new furniture. um, I just chopped my hair and colored it different. I get bored and I like to instigate shifts and changes. So I'm like, oh, I love change. But as I have been um, existing in this, you know, unprecedented time, as so many people talk about, I've been feeling quite hopeless, actually, about change in general, about societal change, about groups of people being able to change. And um, one of some of the reasons I've been feeling hopeless about it is probably because I've been reading history books. And that just feels discouraging because you're like, humans are humans and it's so depressing. Um, and then the other part of it is that I work with humans and I work with institutions. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that the older the institution or the system is, the more resistant it is to change. And the more likely that those who are keeping the institution going um, are, they're very resistant to change as well and will even resort to violence to keep that thing in place. Um, And so I've just been, those two ideas around assimilation and around systems and what the systems that I've been affected by and the systems that I swim in and sink in, I've been thinking about all those things and um, acknowledging that I personally benefit quite a bit from the systems that um, we are in. Uh, For example, like I have, grown up in the Christian faith, which is the dominant religion in our country. I've received a higher education. I have relative affluence. I was raised in this American culture. Um, 
So even as a Korean American female who navigates mostly white male spaces, it's not that hard for me to, to, to figure it out. Um, but as I have been increasingly aware of the rootedness of systemic issues and problems that we face, and as I acknowledge and face and am confronted with the impact of those things on people that I love and care about, I'm like, I want change. I really want change. But the questions that I've been asking myself in that are, when I become aware of how others are impacted by a particular system, how willing am I to disrupt it? particularly if I already benefit from it. And then at what cost, like how far, how much am I willing to pay in order to disrupt that system? And what risks am I willing to take to do that? Um, um, so anyway, so we are in Acts 10, as I come in with these sorts, these questions and these ideas, we're in Acts 10, and we're going to observe what happens when two people who are separated by about 60 kilometers and strict cultural and religious norms, what happens when they are brought together by an act of God, okay? So the first person that we're introduced to in Acts 10 is, um, is Cornelius. And um, what we learned about him, and he was actually the most fascinating character for me to learn about um, this week. So he's a Roman centurion. He seems like an honorable, really good guy. He's commanding about 100 men in Caesarea. Okay. He was likely, I did not know this, but he was likely earning his Roman citizenship, which he would receive after 25 years of service. So, so Cornelius, as a centurion, he is serving and participating in a government and in a system that he could not fully participate in or benefit from. So when I've read this before, I'm like, oh, he's a centurion. He's like in the Roman government. He probably has everything that he could ever want. He's actually serving and participating in something he's not fully benefiting and fully in included in. He's also, we learn, um, very devout, and he is considered a God-fearing Gentile. So he um, he's noted for giving to people who are in need. So giving to people in need and praying regularly. These are the two things he's. they say that he is consistent in. Um, and uh, what I learned is that these God-fearing Gentiles, they were people who would who worshiped the Jewish God and they kept Mosaic law on everything except for circumcision. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I am in. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so, so they are, so, so Cornelius is a not only, so in the government, he's He's, he's serving, but not fully participating or benefiting from. And also in his religious life, he is worshiping and following the system that he could not fully participate in or benefit from. Okay. So Cornelius has this visit from an angel of the Lord, which every time I hear about visits from the angel of the Lord, I'm like, please not me. I just don't want to deal with that, that stuff. That's just personal. Okay. It's just my... Um, Daniel Mayfield talks a lot about all the trauma that we've experienced as evangelicals with supernatural things. And I'm like, I don't need angels. You just, you know, drop it into my mind and I'll believe. Anyway, visitor from angel of the Lord. He's told that his faith and his deeds, his prayer and his giving were seen and received by God, which that's an awesome message to receive, by the way. Um, but not only that was he heard and he was seen. He needs to go and talk with Simon, who's called Peter. He's in Joppa. So Cornelius is like, okay, angel of the Lord says so. He sends servants to go get Peter, okay? So we have Cornelius, Roman government, centurion, God-fearer. On the other, the other character, the other person we have in our story is Peter. And Peter has a few intersections that I'd like to talk about too, because he is like OG disciple of Jesus. He's like original, you know? And I don't know what Peter is doing exactly, but he's in a house along the Mediterranean 
I assume that's a vacation. It sounds like a vacation to me. He's Airbnb with another guy whose name is also Simon. Um, in the previous chapters, we actually hear not only is he along the Mediterranean. I just keep saying that because I really want to go to the Mediterranean. But he's along the Mediterranean in, in the city of Joppa, and he is um, he's raising the dead. This is the story that we just that would have been the chapter before. So there's miraculous signs, just incredible things happening there, and people are like, "Stay here in Joppa. We want to." keep this going. Um, and I'm guessing they're spending like their late nights up on the roof talking about this Saul guy who was trying to murder them. And now he says he's one of them. So that's what I'm assuming Peter is, is up to. So Peter, he is, um, he's convinced he's a follower. He's a believer. He's a preacher, Jesus of Nazareth. He's the Messiah. Peter is ethnically, culturally, religiously Jewish. Right. So he's experienced, um, he's experienced breaking Jewish laws with Jesus breaking those norms, but he's also part of this dominant cultural narrative where he would not be interacting with Gentiles. He's still Jewish, fully Jewish in his culture and his upbringing. But Peter has a dream, okay? And I just want to read that section from Acts chapter 10, uh, starting with verse 9. So Peter has his dream, okay? Uh, and I'm reading from TNIV, I think. So it says, about noon, um, as Cornelius's men are on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Peter's like, this is a test. I'm going to pass this test. You're, you're tempting me. I'm not going to fall for it. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Immediately, she was taken back to heaven. So Peter falls in his trance, has this crazy, like, hangry dream. And he's, like, wrestling with us. Like, what's the meaning of this? What is this? What, what, what's going on? So as Peter's wrestling with this, the spirit is telling him, hey, these guys are coming. I want you to go with them. And to be clear and for the record, this would go against everything Peter was ever raised to do. He was not supposed to be traveling with, inviting people into his house, eating with, mixing with Gentiles. This would make him unclean by everything he has ever known his entire life. But he does it. And because he does, something radical and expansive is about to happen. Okay, um, so Peter is with um, Cornelius's men. They come up to Cornelius's property. They, uh, Peter meets Cornelius and verse 27 says this, while talking with Cornelius, Peter goes inside. He finds this large gathering of people and he says to them, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with Gentiles or to visit them. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. This is radical. This is like, this is earth shattering. This is culture shattering. This is religion shattering news, right? Um, and I suggest from this story that God is inviting us to engage across difference so that God's radical inclusionary love can be known and experienced both here and now and whatever is to come. So, I'm beginning to suspect that for full inclusion, a mutual change and a mutual assimilation has to take place. 
Uh, Dr. Willie Jennings um, has a few articles and a few talks about this idea of mutual assimilation. Um, I was thinking about my particular upbringing where as a Korean adoptee, I was adopted into a, kind of a white middle-class, my dad's Finnish, my mom's German English um, in the suburbs of Minneapolis. And my experience as a kid growing up in the eighties was a full assimilation into what we would call like, um, like American culture. Um, there was, I did not bring with me, I was just small and baby. <laughs> so I did not bring with me any cultural ties. I did not bring with me any cultural attachments. And so I had, what I did is I just fully assimilated into this other, other culture. Uh, Willie Jennings talks about and suggests this idea of mutual assimilation, where cultures are coming together, meeting, binding, because there is a, I think something maybe special, something significant, maybe something supernatural, maybe something we can participate in, the binding and the belonging to one another that is part of God's work, when, and which, which then results in this full inclusion. I was thinking about this because God came, God, okay, God came to Cornelius in this supernatural way. But when I think about it, God, God has already laid out in the Old Testament the prophets, hey, it's for all peoples. God spoke about all nations through Jesus. I mean, this angel of the Lord shows up. Why not just say, Cornelius, you're in? Like, he didn't have to, like, why, why not refer to all the things he's ever done and just declare it in that moment of all the things he says that Cornelius, you're part of the fold. You are fully included. I embrace you. Done deal. That would have been awesome for Cornelius and his household. Why doesn't he do that? I think Peter, why, why does Peter still have to go 60 kilometers north with his body to deliver that message? And I think it's because Peter also needed to be freed. I think it's because, um, in the words of, um, uh, I think Lilla Wilson, our liberation is bound up together, that there is freedom for both sides. So I just have a couple ideas. I hope, I hope um, Kurt said I have 45 minutes to talk. He was kidding. Um, but I don't, I don't, I might be going too long here, but I just have two quick ideas on how it is that we could live into this, how we can live into our liberation being bound up together, how, it, how, wherever, whichever character, whether Cornelius or Peter, whoever we identify with, what, what's our response in this moment? And um, I think the first thing is that we need to interrogate our narratives. Okay, so Peter was given by God over time through his ancestors stories, rules about what was clean and what was not clean. And Cornelius had the sense that he was not fully clean. He did not fully belong. And they were both living fully into those narratives. Um, here's the thing, like in this, let's take this specific. Clean and unclean are defined by culture. Culture decides what's clean and unclean. Um, because it's determining the proper places for people and for things. And the realities that don't into, fit into a culture's categories, they make us anxious and uncomfortable. And so purity rules are an attempt to avoid discomfort by defining what belongs, what's clean, and what is not clean, what doesn't belong. So if clean and unclean, inclusion and non-inclusion are about assigning proper places, we need to examine the systems and the structures that decide who belongs and who doesn't. We have to interrogate our stories and our narratives and our systems in the ways that they're exclusionary, not only for other people, but also so that we can be free, right? In a capitalist society, who belongs and who doesn't? In a system that values private property, who belongs and who doesn't? In a patriarchal society, who belongs and who doesn't? I can go on and on, right? In a system that values hyper-individualism, who belongs and who doesn't belong? Is it possible? 
I think it is, that God wants to disrupt our economies and our politics and our households and even our religious identities that are based on inherently broken systems that result in exclusion. We need to interrogate our narratives and know that our liberation is tied up together. So interrogate our narratives, ask, ask questions about our stories, investigate it. The second thing is I think we need to eliminate the distance that we have of between difference. So we have two very different men you know, and on one hand, it took an act of God. I read the story. I'm like, hey, it took an act of God for Peter and Cornelius to get together to meet, for their systems to be disrupted. And I'm thinking about our polarization. I'm thinking about the othering that happens today. And I'm like, okay, so am I just waiting for an act of God? Am I waiting for an angel of the Lord to show up? Am I going to just be on my roof and fall into a trance and just allow this like supernatural thing to happen? Is that what we're waiting for? Um, and if you're literalist, maybe that's what you're doing. Um, but, um, but, but here's the thought that I have is that Maybe the shifts and the disruptions that are occurring to our systems are nothing less than the inclusionary acts of God in our lives. Maybe those things that seem like they're about to like destroy us, maybe those things that we think are completely disrupting our entire being and our way of thinking, maybe those are inclusionary acts of God. Um, in my own story, I was thinking maybe, maybe it's not just by accident that I moved to Portland, that I connected with Parish Collective, that I met Donna and Leroy Barber, that I attended a voices conference and connected with other leaders of color and over time had my perspective shifted. Maybe all of those things happen and those people that I met were opportunities for me to change and to grow and to remain malleable in my faith. And not only can I acknowledge God moving in his action in my life and look at it that way, but maybe I could also be proactive and be humbly curious about those who are different from me. So at the end of, at the end of this story, Peter uh, witnesses what commentators call the Gentile Pentecost. So he sees that, hey, these Gentiles experiencing what we experienced. I think God is saying they're fully in. So Cornelius in his life, in the entirety of his life, the area that he is now fully included in, he was excluded, now he's fully included, fully embraced by God. Um, and Peter, who was on the inside, he was able to bear witness and he would be called to testify about God's inclusionary work um, in the church. And hey, uh, we see in future chapters, it's messy. It's like not an easy thing to bring in their context, a Jewish and a Gentile church together, creating something new, but it is all really good. And we are all invited into it. So those are my thoughts on Acts 10. <laughs> I love those thoughts on Acts 10. That I tried to fantastic. talk. I probably, talk, I don't know. I was like, but. no, I don't think you talk too fast. We got people from Texas tuning in. Big fan. Shout out, Christy. Uh, Shannon loved it. Emily loved it. John's giving you a preach with the preach hands. Oh, hands. Yeah. I got to say, if our church has gotten very emoji charismatic. <laughs> Ooh, Not I in like... person charismatic, but emoji charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's safer behind the screen. I don't want to raise hands here, but... I'll push a button. Yeah. <laughs> what is the like this kind of hand waving? God. Yeah. <laughs> Where are those behind me can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We love that you are all included. I love that that my liberation is tied up with your liberation. And yeah. that's why Peter is sent to Cornelius. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it and it reminds me of this this past week as we mourn the loss of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 
is that when a number of people were celebrating her as a, a women's rights activist, but that no, our liberation is tied up together. She was a human rights activist. Yes. Anyone who is moving for the liberation of a particular group who is being oppressed, it's actually mm -hmm. for the liberation of all people. Yes. No one's free until we're all free, but there yeah. are costs to those levels of exclusion. So yeah. as someone said here, just the right speed. Emily said just the right speed, Sunya. Oh, thank you, Emily. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good to have you. And I love that we got the bass drum kicking behind you. It was a nice- I know, can you? I was like- <laughs> Yeah. Was good. yeah. I felt it. I felt it in my soul. Yeah. I started like, yeah, that's right. That's right. But I didn't want to get too Pentecostal with it. I didn't want to get As a musician, you start syncing up your speed into the bass drum. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> then I slow it down. Then I, yeah. 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 Um, also, so we have a couple of thoughts here too. Yeah. Let's talk about them. All right. The thoughts. Yeah. So there's something I think about a lot is how the pandemic slowed us down and forced many of us to pay attention to racial inequalities in our society. Yeah. And uh, which is actually really helpful when we talk about things that feel apocalyptic as, as COVID certainly feels apocalyptic. The, the purest meaning of that is an uncovering of things. And COVID did not create the issues we're dealing with today, but it uncovered them because it changed the way that our yeah. society is structured so we can see them more. Yeah. And they are. Time. Time to sit with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also Emily said, I thought it was interesting that Cornelia seemed to be more immediate to obedience, whereas Peter needed a mm. little more knowing. Yeah. Yeah, Which I mean, Peter, I was feeling for Peter because I, I know a lot of Peters, right? And it's like, how you undo what your religious law i mean come on i that's mm -hmm. it would take a lot and i don't know i was you know i was, I was having a conversation with donna barber yesterday where we're like when it goes when you're asked to do something that goes against everything you've ever learned and known yeah like i don't even know what it would take for me to do that yeah honestly mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and that's why i think the diversity of community is so important is because if you just have people that are in the system, yeah. it's going to be harder to see that, oh, this is something that is systemic. It's not necessarily from God. But if you have yeah. people that are newer within there, they don't yeah. have those hangups and they can respond and they can be instructive in that way of teaching us, oh, this is a way that we can go. This is a way that we can move. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Emily said, so the person with dominant privilege needed longer to be comfortable with the change. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it, uh, one of the changes I'm interested in too, is that most people don't change until the pain of staying the same is greater yeah. than the pain of change. Cause there's, yes. there's, there's pain in yeah. every kind of change. Yeah. Um, and so what is it, what does it take for us to start to acknowledge right. the pain of staying the same? And I think yeah. COVID has allowed us to sit with that more that there is a pain and a cost to not changing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's what I know. the... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, I've been confronted okay. in my own, right? Like, like it show, the, your values show up in weird places. So mm. I'd be like, oh man, I value the local. I value, or I might be like, man, I value BIPOC businesses. And I, but you know what? 
when there's a book I want and I want it tomorrow or when, you know, suddenly the values of efficiency <laughs> and the values of whatever pop up and I'm, there I am on Amazon, right? So it's just like, it, change is hard and change is hard yeah. to stick with. Um, even when your convictions are leaning in a particular direction, it's, it, t- it takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even a community of people committed to it together <laughs> for that to work. That's so good because I think so many of us are our values, like almost all of us, our values and our lives are not working in tandem. Um, And instead of pretending that they are by espousing more of our values, how are we being humble to recognize where they're not in alignment and allowing a community people to walk us together? It's hard work, but it's powerful work. Yeah. It's so fun having you here, Sunya. Thanks for being (laughs) with us. I like being here. I like your people. Yeah, no one's they're pretty great. On the feed. Like, you're all so nice. Thanks. I know. <laughs> yeah, we booted all the mean people. So yeah. that's how we were inclusive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. We are that's the most again. inclusive. And if you're not, you're out. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm glad you captured mm. the essence of what I was speaking today. And yeah. that's what you were talking about this morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>